Om Gyananda Salakya Shakshurumini Tamnena Tasmai Sri Guru Venama Sri Chaitanya Manopistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Siddhaita Gradha Siyasadi Gora Bhaktavinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <clears throat> Today I wanted to uh, speak about spiritual community. I've been uh, thinking about that topic today. Uh, um, how that's what, what we're doing. Um, we're creating a sangha. We're creating a community. Because we want people to take up Krishna consciousness and we want Krishna consciousness to stay, to stay with them you know, um, throughout their life. So we're, we're introducing people to Krishna consciousness, to the spiritual community, uh, the community of Krishna and his devotees. Krishna's devotees are uh, existing throughout history. Krishna's influence exists throughout history. Uh, um, I was just reading earlier on um, about uh, a uh, A 17th century uh, translation of the uh, Bhagavad Gita uh, by a uh, by a Sufi, and because it's a Muslim name, I have to to look up the name because I can't really remember so well these Muslim names. Um, just takes a moment to find it. I had it here. Ah, yes. So, a Muslim Bhagavad Gita, Abit al-Rahman Chistis, interpretive translation and its implication. So, the uh, by assistant professor Pius R. Morgenstein first at the uh, Assistant Professor of Religion, University of Vermont, uh, is pointing out that <coughs> in the um, early 1600s, there was a Sufi translation of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, it was an interpretive uh, translation where the, uh, the writer was taking uh, kernels taking extracts from the Gita, which uh, seem to correspond with uh, Islam teachings. And in this way, uh, the writer made the point that uh, Islam exists everywhere, even in other religious scriptures. Well, that was still a very... Uh, Broad approach uh, from a uh, from from an Islam perspective. Um, I've been trying to get that book. It's just like uh, difficult to find. Uh, um, we are looking uh, at it. That means 
uh, Rupa Sanatan and myself and uh, I asked him to help me find it because he's good at, uh, at finding books. Books is his thing. And uh, yes, because it would be very interesting. Uh, very interesting to have a look at it at least. Um, we also, uh, we also uh, think like in this way. Uh, we also uh, look at how things, uh, similar things appear in other traditions. Uh, for example, I, uh, I also have an article on the name of God and by uh, Vladimir Moss. And uh, so historical introduction. At the beginning of the 20th century, there arose among the Russian monks of Mount Athos the heresy of name worshipping, called Imia Slavia in Russian by its proponents and Imia Bosie by the Orthodox, which consists in the belief that the name of God is not only infilled with the grace of God, but is holy in, its, in and of itself, being God himself. Its beginning may be dated to the publication in 1907, by the Atonite schema monk Hilarion of a book on the Jesus prayer entitled On the Mountains of Caucasus. Another book I would like to have on the mountains of the Caucasus from Hilarion. This book was at first well received and passed the spiritual censor but later some incautious expressions in it that seem to claim that the name of God is God elicited criticism. Soon monastic opinion in Russia was polarized between those who, like the monks of the Kiev caves, Lavra, approved of the book and the identification of the name of God with God himself, and those, like the monks of Pochev, Lavra, and the Optina Desert, who rejected it. Hmm. The heresy was condemned by the ecumenical patriarchate in 1912. And then there's a whole uh, list given. So here there's a scholarly article on the topic of Imia Slavia, which is interesting because uh, they had come to the conclusion that the holy name is, is God, which is the very foundation of Krishna consciousness. So we're looking at, uh, at this orthodox monk who came up with what we consider a proper understanding. And it is very unfortunate that the uh, orthodox church um, put this in, uh, declared this a heresy. Um, we are looking at the Padma Purana, Nama Chintamani Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vikraha, I'm just going to uh, open that verse for us so we can discuss it nicely. Nama Chinta Mani Krishna. So, the verse is a verse from the Padma Purana, which is quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Nama Chintamani Krishnas Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha Purnasuda Nityamukto Vinatvam Namanamino. The holy name of Krishna is transcendently blissful. It bestows all spiritual benedictions, for it is Krishna himself, the reservoir of all pleasure. Krishna's name is complete 
and it is the form of all transcendental mallows. It is not a material name under any condition, and it is no less powerful than Krishna himself. Since Krishna's name is not contaminated by the material qualities, there is no question of its being involved with Maya. Krishna's name is always liberated and spiritual. It is never conditioned by the laws of material nature. This is because Krishna and Krishna himself are identical. So this is like uh, very much on the topic. And it's, uh, it's very nice how somehow or other the, uh, these orthodox monks realized it. They're also chanting their Jesus prayer um, again and again. Um, so we can see that the realization came from chanting the name of the Lord, which is and chanting the name of Jesus Christ, which is very interesting. Well, it, uh, it reminds me of uh, how one particular Christian uh, approached Srila Prabhupada and asked him to become the founder Acharya of the International Society for Christ Consciousness. And Prabhupada, he was ready. He agreed. He said he was ready, providing the members would chant the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, so Prabhupada had that deep faith that by chanting the name of, of, of the Lord, even in another tradition, um, that the benefit would be so great um, that a person uh, would develop his, uh, his Krishna consciousness. Uh, the name of Christ um, in, in Sanskrit, another name of Krishna is also Krista. Now, Krista is also the name of Krishna. So, uh, so we think that Jesus took the name of Krishna to engage people in Nam Abbas, in the unknown chanting of the Holy Name. So we see. So what, so, the, so going back to our earlier topic, the, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita of Chisti, Abin al-Rahman Chisti, uh, that Bhagavad Gita, uh, that approach to, to find common ground in the scripture is an approach that, uh, that is quite natural and that uh, um, we also employ. Um, I'm looking at... Uh, <coughs> One second... I'm looking at Zoroastrian scripture, and uh, interestingly, we find that uh, the Zoroastrians, in their uh, in their writings, I found a description of a tree. And this tree had four roots, a golden root, a silver root, a, a copper root, and an iron root. And it's that these four roots represented the four uh, periods of time yeah, on a universal scale. And that uh, it's set in the in the last period then, um, he said, since, since ancient time, there was a class of men who were wearing a cord around their waist and who were engaged in a spiritual activity called yasna. And it said then in the final era, the iron era, a foreign invader would come into the land and would oppress the people that were performing yasna, and the uh, 
And then those who performed yasna were hiding in the mountains and were secretly performing that yasna. Now, if we say that the, man, the people who wore a cord around the, around the waist were brahmanas who were performing yajna, and that they were, uh, and that when the Muslim culture became established um, in Iran, that they were hiding in, in the mountain, in the mountains where they're still secretly performing yajnas. I mean, that's very interesting. Huh? Very interesting. So, a lot has been, uh, been, a lot of work has been done about the common ground in Krishna consciousness. Hmm. I remember that in Mexico, there are, uh, uh, sorry. Don't worry, it's uh, it doesn't pass on online. <laughs> mm -hmm. In Mexico, there are pyramids, and these pyramids they have uh, images of various gods. Uh, they have images of. Um, various gods, demigods that control nature, the, the rain god, the wind god, and so on. And the pyramids are uh, decorated with the faces of these gods. <laughs> which have names in the local language, but referring, but they're identified as rain god, wind god, and so on. Then if we look at South Indian temples, then we see that the same images are there and of the rain god and the wind god. Does that mean that once there was a common world culture? Yes. Uh, a common world culture that was a Vedic culture? It is certainly, uh, certainly appears to be so. Um, so many elements are there. We see Turkish warriors on paintings with shaved heads and sikas. Uh, that is also interesting. Here in Germany, an image was found, right? and an ancient image was found of a half-man half lion uh, and devotees are still uh, ready to claim although you know officially no uh, no no uh, connection has been made with the Sringadev but of course devotees are trying to uh, to establish the connection with the Sringadev And if the Sringadev was being worshipped in, uh, in, in, uh, in Africa, yes, then that is another thing. So, someone got into the, the human sacrifice in Mexico here on the, on the comments. And that's again another matter. That's another matter. That is the Mayas uh, who were... Uh, engaging in these kind of activities in South America, not so much in Mexico, but uh, especially somewhat further south. Um, but that's another another matter altogether that that we're not going into uh, right now. Although we even see in lower ends of Vedic culture uh, at or at the lower ends during the Vedic era, um, sacrifice in the mode of ignorance also existed, uh, where some men were trying to sacrifice humans uh, 
which was not, uh, which of course is condemned, but it even occurs in the uh, in the in the Srimad Bhagavatam, where Jad Bharat is kidnapped uh, by some men who are uh, trying to sacrifice him to Kali, uh, but it is not a not successful. Kali was not happy to accept that offering and actually intervened. Uh, so, whatever may be, uh, we're looking at the common denominator. Uh, uh, the common denominator in the cultures of the world, in the scriptures of the world. Uh, the other day I spoke about the uh, from this uh, anthology of of world scriptures, and we spoke about the uh, North American Indian idea that man has a good heart and a bad heart. <coughs> some act according to the good heart, and some act according to the bad heart and so on, or, uh, and that is also something, um, higher nature, lower nature, the divided sense is, uh, is, is very, very, uh, yeah, is, is, is very famous. Uh, it is a theme that comes out again and again. So we are uh, looking at that, the divided self um, um, as a topic that emerges uh, in, uh, throughout um, world history. And, uh, and, and it, uh, whether in religion or whether in, in psychology, um, the, uh, the contradictions, the contradictory desires yes yeah, so and we account that also in in our own practices the divided self um, um, part of us is thinking uh, about leaving part of us is thinking about uh, giving up all this krishna consciousness and to just live a life, a life without, um, without any guidelines, without any prescribed duty, without any principles other than the ones we make up ourselves. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I wrote something about that in, in uh, In, in my novel, right, I have something in my unfinished novel, and I can just uh, say something about that. Um, I have to just open up the novel, which I'm doing right now. <coughs> mm -hmm. Okay, now we have to make it full view. Okay. So, the introduction of the novel is, is, is as follows. Mm. Let me just see that there was something in the introduction, but I have to just find where that is. Okay, introduction. Change for better or worse. I have to begin the story somewhere, maybe on an airport. How about Frankfurt, Germany? Here there are travelers from all different cultures of the world coming together for a moment, and then each continues to his own destination. Filled with expectation, the traveler 
is about to enter new situations. The airport restaurant is appropriately named after Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, displaying a two-meter large profile portrait of the most prominent personality in the German literary history, who, after all, took birth here in Frankfurt. Goethe had a sharp, penetrating intellect, and in his maxims and reflections, he shares thoughts expressed in a few sentences on the ways of life. Goethe observed that a child is a realist, trying to figure out what is going on, what are apples and what are pears, that a youth is an idealist, and in midlife one becomes a cynic. Finally, with the maturity of age, one realizes that nothing really is under man's control, and one becomes a mystic. It resonated with me. Well, it continues a bit on this topic, and then I'm uh, at one point, after speaking about uh, particularly the mystic, and how, yeah, the mystic, then there's one sentence. The mystic is convinced that there is more to reality than meets the eye. Death to him is merely the transition from this world to the next. His meditation is on eternity and to understand the intricacies of that. He realizes that life is meant to be more than merely indulging in short-lived pleasures or in the struggle for survival. He realizes that life is meant for sacred ideals. Life must be meaningful to the world and meaningful to God and meaningful to one's heart. Mm -hmm. So, then I say, these days I'm a monk and I've been for quite a while with the same lifetime celibacy and other restrictions for a vow as Bishmadev. So, there was a time in my life and at this part of the presentation, red warning lights would have started flashing on my dashboard. God, monk, uh, the thought would have occurred to me that here is someone who stopped to be a free creative thinker and bought into a system of belief. I might have put the, the book down with the words, no thanks. I like the freedom to make my choices in my own creative way. Hmm. So I've addressed that uh, in further later in that uh, um, in that introduction, which I will not uh, share with you now. Um, but the point is this, yes, yeah, someone who bought into a system of belief and stopped to be uh, a free thinker, a person uh, who is not free to make choosing choices as they, uh, yes, as they just arise in our heart. Um, it is, so this dilemma every devotee experiences uh, that we are here and we feel inspirations in our hearts and here are these teachings. And of course, the teachings come in a line of amazing personalities. Uh, I mean, Srila Prabhupada and his, his incredible life and the incredible depth of, of what he's saying. And then we have, um, we have uh, our, uh, yeah, we even have our, our current representatives who are also uh, not just ordinary, ordinary people. So in this way, um, here we have these teachings, and they are presented to us by uh, personalities who are more than ordinary, but, you know, it imposes something on us. It imposes on how we are supposed to live. It, it has taken away the choice, uh, the choice that we have. Uh, of course, you know, one might say, well, uh, you know, we come with Bhagavad Gita, Prakite Kriyan Manani, Guna Karmani Sarvasa, Hankara Vimudata, Vimudatma Kartaham Iti Manyate. The bewildered soul thinks himself the doer of activities which are in actuality carried out by the three modes of material nature. So, how many choices? are we actually making? Uh, and 
we are dictate, dictated. Then uh, that is like, you know, with children and playing and so on. And, you know, and we go up and certain hormones come and suddenly uh, as the hormones are released into our systems, uh, suddenly there is this incredible attraction between male and female awakening and, and so on. Right? So, and then uh, we start to act according to the body. Uh, then, you know, yes, then there are desires. Uh, then, so someone wants, wants freedom. And then when we look at uh, one lady may want freedom and say, and, and then, then what do you want? A baby. Hmm? Children. So those are the dictates of nature. Those, that's not our desire. Uh, those are dictates that come with the material body. Right? Um, that simply means we are captured and controlled by the body we are in. And the desire may be very strong, that can be, and it may feel as something very, very fundamental, but it arises from the body, the desire for family. Right? Yeah, that kind of thing is, uh, is, uh, is transcendental knowledge. Uh, the soul is eternal. Uh, the soul is, is connected with Krishna. The soul is serving Krishna. Mm. And yes, if there is anything such as having children, uh, then the only option is let Krishna be the child. Uh, then, uh, when one is in the parental mood, yes, then that is arising from the soul. And then, uh, not interested in any other child, but Krishna. And Krishna, as a child, yes, yes, be father, be mother. Uh, and of course, the mother relationship is the most intimate, is the most intimate. Um, Yasoda's relationship is still more intimately connected with Krishna than Nanda Maharaj's relationship. Although both, uh, both Yasoda, Yasoda and Nanda Maharaj are totally absorbed in uh, in remembering uh, and always thinking of Krishna and in simply uh, worrying about Krishna, caring for Krishna, providing for Krishna, um, trying to teach Krishna, worry about his nature, that he's stealing, that he's lying. And these are the uh, early propensities of something that may come out later. But let us talk more about the topic of, uh, of freedom. Uh, um, yes, freedom is something I also um, have, uh, have tried to uh, explore. When I was uh, a teenager, uh, that, was, that was it. That's what, what it was about. Freedom. I sang. I sang on the guitar about freedom. Right? And looking. And I was looking for freedom. It was the driving principle. Freedom. So what to be free from? Um, free from parents? Yes. But, you know... Uh, 
parents are also uh, also there when we need some support. Hmm. On Christmas, uh, uh, I, co I, I couldn't handle it. At one point, I couldn't handle it any longer to go to the family dinners. And, but then I would come on the Boxer's Day because I knew very well that on the Boxer's Day, my family would eat out. Right? Christmas Day, they would eat somewhere with a family member. And on the Boxer's Day, they would eat out. And then I would go to the house of my parents right? with my girlfriend. And we'd eat all the ice cream in the fridge, right? And then leave a note, I was there. So my mother, she knew. So she made sure that she would stock up the fridge with ice cream for if I would come. Because a mother is a mother like that. Um, so, so here I was. Uh, so free, right? Uh, but uh, yes, the ice cream, someone says so sweet. Yes, the ice cream was very sweet. <laughs> Enjoyed it very much. But what is our freedom? Uh, it's like uh, we want to be free until we need help. Yes. Um, so we live, <clears throat> no one, no one can be independent. We all need some community. And yes, human beings, right? human beings, and even animals, right? even animals depend on other animals. Uh, it is said that when birds are flying in the sky, um, once a year, the birds from Europe are actually leaving. Right? They're leaving because it is very, very cold in the winter. Uh, so many birds are flying to warmer regions. And in fact, uh, they have tracked the birds and they have found that many birds are flying to India and are flying to an area not far from Vrindavan, namely near Bharatpur, which is just into Rajasthan. If we drive from Vrindavan towards Jaipur, then uh, some 60 kilometers away from Vrindavan, we are coming to Bharatpur. And there is a very big uh, bird reserve there near Bharatpur. And uh, scientists from all over the world and other bird watchers are going there to watch the birds. So the birds are flying from at the, uh, before winter begins, they're flying towards India where the climate is warmer. Uh, and it is said that they fly in a V formation so that one bird takes advantage of the aerodynamics of the other birds. And then there is, and they take turns to lead, but only the very strong birds, they lead. Uh, they, they are flying in the point and they take the full brunt of the wind. Whereas the, uh, the other birds, they kind of by their formation are partially sheltered from the wind and it creates favorable aerodynamics, which makes it easier to fly. Uh, so community is there. Uh, we see here in, in, in Europe and around the world, uh, we see in many places that people lived in clusters. Um, uh, we see that in large areas of land and there's a cluster of a village. Uh, and it's obvious 
that people lived in the village for uh, for a for protection. Um, but then we also see that the villages, uh, the villages had their own cultures and standards, right? And there, uh, and there is the study of anthropology. And anthropology says that man is a combination of, uh, of, of nature and culture. And culture is something that is imposed upon us by our environment. Uh, and yes, of course, you know, uh, all these things are questioned. Right? Uh, so many values are imposed upon us by the environment, and you must do this. And if you don't do this, we will not accept you. Mm. In, in Africa, when uh, the, the, where the uh, social uh, security system is not so strong, right? there's not like a lot of uh, uh, government support or not poorer people don't have health insurance and all these things, right? Uh, their insurance is, is the family, right? And then it is a customary practice that when a man wants to marry a lady, he must pay uh, a dowry to the family of the lady. In India, it's the opposite. The dowry is given to the to the man who is marrying the woman, and both have their rationale. Uh, but whatever may be, um, the uh, but this is still prevalent, and even amongst uh, devotees, right? Amongst the African in the African devotee community, uh, this comes up. And then I might say, yeah, but but we are transcendental to these things, you know. Why would you, why would you do this? Say so, no, because if we don't do this, then our family will reject us. And then, you know, who do we have? Who do we have to fall back on? And then, what will I say? Um, will I say, don't worry, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness? will take care of you. Will they? I'm not sure. I'm not going to say that. I'm afraid to say that. Because history, we thought like that. We, we used to think like that. We joined the Hare Krishna movement and the custom was give everything you have. Whatever you have, just give it to Krishna. And and Krishna will provide, the community of devotees will provide. But did they? Uh, did they in all cases? I don't know. Uh, it is still uh, necessary to also look after ourselves. So here we are, human beings who get up, who get caught up in a network of relationships and social life. Uh, we are not just wandering alone through the jungle uh, because it's, uh, it's dangerous in the jungle. We will be, one can be eaten alive better. Uh, we need protection and protection Oh yes, protection we seek in community. Mm. So many communities are there. Mm -hmm. So um, we are looking for such protection in community. And uh, yes, does that really uh, provide us with uh, 
it, it, we pay a price. We pay a price. We pay a price of sacrificing our freedom for protection, uh, to get a regular, uh, regular income stream, which is necessary to survive. Uh, we trade our freedom for a job and there flows in the regular income stream to have a roof over our head. We trade in our freedom uh, to the bank and we have a loan. And, uh, and, in, and in so many ways, uh, we trade in our freedom. Yes. And there's a government and they impose things upon us. And if they say lockdown, then we are locked down as we noticed. Uh, uh, okay, one can rebel, uh, of course, one can, but uh, still uh, it becomes a battle. Uh, it becomes a battle. So what is freedom? Is there social freedom? Some countries more than others. Yeah. And uh, yes, and then, but going beyond social freedom, is there individual freedom? Yeah, but then we speak about a divided self, right? Which I mentioned at the beginning of my lecture. Then we have the two sides in ourselves. So how much freedom is there? Um, so when we have a divided self, one part of myself won't let the other part do. Yes. Uh, when I'm taking up Krishna consciousness, then my lower nature oh, will want to break, break free and secretly thinks of sinful activities and so on. And when I take shelter of my lower nature and just live on that platform, then guilt will follow me. Uh, and then uh, I doubt. This is recognized in the Bhakti Rasamrita Siddhu as the dynamics of bok and tyak. When I give in to bok, to sense gratification, then I want to renounce it. When I renounce it and take up tyak, renunciation, and take up spiritual life, uh, then I'm again attacked by desires for, uh, for sense enjoyment, bog and jark. Um, so this is, is, uh, is the dynamics of what I uh, today like to call the, the divided self. Mm. And uh, wherever, um, whether we approach that through, uh, a relig through religious scriptures, which point us to the higher nature, uh, whether we go to Greek philosophers, Plato, who speaks like the soul in the chariot with two horses, one horse taking him down to the base instincts and the other horse, the spirited horse, taking him towards uh, exploring higher ideals. The divided self remains there. Uh, we find it uh, with the North American Indians who speak about how man has a good heart, man has a bad heart. Uh, we find it, uh, we find it everywhere. So what to do? Mm. Yes, uh, I need my freedom. I'm a freedom lover. And I'm practicing Krishna consciousness because I know that in community, freedom is not found. Socially, uh, freedom is always restricted. There are governments, there are laws, and there's a social structure. There, one get, won't find full freedom. Internally, uh, full freedom is also 
difficult. Freedom is only found in love. Freedom is found when we want to do something. That's where freedom is found. And then uh, we can take on so many things that restrict us, that limit us, that bind us, but we feel free because we do it out of love, because we want to. Okay, I'll get the gross example, the mother and the child. She sacrifices and sacrifices, but it's not a sacrifice because it's done out of love. She wants to. So this is the only, only way where freedom is found within love, right? when we want to do. And so this Krishna consciousness is about cultivating our love for, for Krishna. And as our love for Krishna is awakening, we're finding more and more freedom. And this is where it is. Uh, we'll become free. Otherwise, we'll be bound in so many chains. The chains of sex life, metunya agra, the chains of intoxication. Uh, the, we'll become fettered, yes. That means chained and slaved by all these things. So where is freedom? Uh, freedom is only found in love. And love for the temporary is no freedom after all. Uh, It appeared to be. And then only to find that it was not. Because the love for the temporary is temporary. Only temporary love. But love for Krishna is eternal. And then we are living a life when in perfection we come to a life where every step Every move is an expression of love, that of love of God, that is where real freedom is found. All right, well, uh, that was my table talk, and that was some food for thought. Meanwhile, food or prasadam has come on my table, so uh, I'm leaving you with some food for thought. while I'm attending to other urgent matters. And I wish you uh, another happy day in full freedom. And if not in full freedom, at least on the path of freedom, the path leading to full freedom. And as long as we are on the path, on the way to full freedom, everything is perfect. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.